Well, welcome to Graceway Baptist Church. This is our midweek service, and we are still in Psalm 6. And uh, through this psalm, we've noticed that something's wrong with David. You know, we all have those times when things are not quite right. Sometimes we don't feel good. Sometimes uh, things happen to us that mess us up. We have heartaches. We have uh, trials and problems. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, in, in my particular family, this goes back to my dad and the grandpa I never knew, but I've heard stories about him. And I assume it would go back even further than that. We have what I like to call a frustration gene. Um, there's not a whole lot that'll really make me mad, but if you frustrate me, I can just really have a temper flare, uh, you know, that just comes out of nowhere, it seems. Uh, there have been times when, uh, back when Sammy and I were first married, there were some things that she thought I would really be mad about. They didn't make me mad. Why? Because they didn't frustrate me. But if there was a little frustration from a little tiny thing that I wanted to do but couldn't do, or couldn't do it the way I wanted to do it or whatever, then all of a sudden I, I blow. And uh, that's kind of the, uh, what the Bible talks about, the sin that doth so easily beset us. It's that tendency that makes up you, and it tends to run in families, and it's the kind of thing that just, you know, it's just me. And sometimes I have a bad day because of that. Sometimes I get over it pretty quick. Sometimes it kind of lingers. Now, you have the same thing, maybe a little bit different. Some people, um, you know, just are always mad. And some people have other things um, that tend to uh, work in their lives. Um, it's interesting when you um, read about abuse, people that abuse children, the majority of them were abused as children themselves, kind of runs in the family. Uh, alcoholics, it tends to run in the family, those kind of things. I mean, we all, because of our corrupt nature, we all have these things that even at our best, it doesn't take long to get us off track or to get us messed up. And David was no different. I don't really know what his besetting sin was. Um, when I look and see what he did with Bathsheba, maybe it was uh, a sexual type sin that was kind of his default. I don't know. When I look at what he did to Uriah, well, your guess is good as mine on that one. But um, how easy it is for example, to be sitting here in church, to be blessed of God, to enjoy the singing, the fellowship, the preaching, and uh, to walk out to the parking lot, and man, you're just really feeling good until you need to make a left-hand turn on 104th Street and you can't get out. Then all of a sudden, you're frustrated or angry or in a bad mood. I mean, these kind of things affect all of us. Sometimes things happen because of what other people do. Sometimes they happen because of just who we are. Sometimes circumstances, um, you know, mess us up. If you haven't had 
sleep for a while. I think about some of uh, people like uh, cops who are working in a cer certain situation where they haven't had sleep for 24 hours, or doctors and nurses, medical personnel, uh, people like that. And uh, lack of sleep make you grouchy, put you in a bad mood, uh, make it hard to do what you want to do adequately and competently. Sometimes medication that you're on can change a lot of things. You see what I'm saying? And I say all of that to say, I don't know what David's problem was. But because David asked that God not rebuke him, tells me what I need to know about David, that he was wrong, he was in sin. And he had unconfessed sin in his life, and it affected him in his soul, it affected him in his body. And you can read about another case where David had the same type of thing going on in Psalm 32. And in Psalm 32, he talks about physical pain, and he talks about being dehydrated, and all of this stuff. He said, day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. Remember that? And that's what he wrote when he had covered up his sin with Bathsheba, and uh, before he confessed it in Psalm 51, before Nathan the prophet confronted him. Now, again, as I said before, we don't know in this sin what the deal was. I don't know if it was a big sin or a small sin. I don't know if this is the kind of thing where David had blatantly disobeyed God, and because of that, he's in trouble and suffering the consequences, or if this were the kind of thing to where David just had a little thing, that sin that doth so easily beset us. Maybe this was just a, a sin you would probably say if David said, boy, I've I've really blown it this time. You, you might look at it and go, oh, Dave, it's no big deal. Didn't even notice. I didn't even see it. You know, surely it's not, not that bad. Well, sin is always bad. And whether it's a little sin that we keep on the inside, or whether it's a bigger sin that other people see, or whether it's one of the biggest sins where we just blatantly disobey God and hurt others in, in doing so, where we violate the great commandment of loving God and treating our neighbor, loving them as we love ourselves, sometimes we violate both of those things. And uh, I don't know with David exactly what it was, but I know it did have consequences that bothered him. You say, uh, really, would a little sin bother him like that? Let me just say that when you are sensitive to God and walking with God, little sins bother you. In fact, let me just take you back to the Garden of Eden. What did Adam really do? I mean, he didn't murder anybody. He didn't do anything like that, did he? All he did was eat some fruit. Well, that's not a, a real big deal. Well, yeah, it is. When you've been walking with God in perfection, and when you've been enjoying perfect fellowship with God, that little sin of eating that fruit, because it was rebellion to God and it was disobedient to Him, it had major, disastrous consequences. 
So Adam, when he hears God in the garden, instead of running to him, he runs away from him and he hides. God has to seek out Adam just like he does us. Adam, where art thou? Well, he knew where Adam was. He knew everything that had happened. He wanted Adam to confess it. Here I am. Why are you there? Did you eat of the fruit? Well, the woman you made for me gave me and I ate it. And you know all the story that goes on like that. Because Adam is feeling the weight of guilt, wanting to hide from God because he took a bite out of a piece of fruit. I think the more sensitive we are in our relationship with God and the closer we are in our relationship with God, the more the quote-unquote little sins really do mess us up and they really do bother us. And so maybe we're talking about a David who is younger and he is so pure in his walk with God, a man after God's own heart, that maybe what he did was not the big deal like he did in Psalm 51, but it affected him much the same way because it hurt his heart because he wasn't right with God. Let that sink in. Have we become so seared in our conscience? Have we become so hardened in our heart that conviction no longer hits us, that our sin no longer bothers us? So let's talk about something that happens in the next few verses that I'm calling the joy of confession, uh, what confession of sin brings back to us. Now, before we read our verses, think about Proverbs 28, 13. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Who wrote that? Proverbs is written by Solomon, or most of it. Who was Solomon? David's son. Wonder where Solomon learned that. You cover your sins, you don't prosper. You confess them, and you find mercy. Maybe Solomon had heard the stories about David, about his father. Maybe he had heard because Bathsheba was Solomon's mother, right? Maybe Bathsheba told him, uh, Solomon, you've got a a brother who died. Well, why did he die? And maybe she told him about the sin that had been committed and all of that. But Solomon seems to have a great understanding. He didn't live up to it, though, did he? Kind of like we do. We know a whole lot more than we live up to. Wonder where he learned it. Probably from his dad. And our tendency is either to justify or hide our sin, of course, as uh, we've already referred to, Genesis 3.10, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And so God knows already, and the mercy only comes with confessing and forsaking. Let's not forget that. Solomon said, whoever confesses, that means we agree with God about our sin and forsakes it. We can't just say, well, I know I'm wrong and continue on in it. That's not really what we're talking about. So notice when we get to Psalm 6, verse 8, all of a sudden, David goes from kind of complaining, maybe even a little bit of whining about this. All of a sudden, now he is extremely bold. Verse 8, 
Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity, for the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. Now, what's the key in that verse? Depart from me? Well, no, that's interesting. But the key is the Lord has heard. That's what makes all the difference in these verses. Verse 9, the Lord has heard my supplication and the Lord will receive my prayer. Why would the Lord receive his prayer? Because David had confessed his sin. Verse 10, let all my enemies be ashamed. Well, see, before it was David who was ashamed. Now it's different. David has a, a different standing. David has a different authority. David has a different outlook on life. Why? His sin has been cleansed. Let my enemies be ashamed instead of me and greatly troubled. Instead of it being on me, let it be upon them, right? Let them turn back and be ashamed suddenly. And so David is saying just as sudden as things have changed in my life, may it change in their life. You know, sometimes it seems like the enemies of the Lord are doing so well. They're making the money. They're having the fun. Uh, you know, life just seems to be good and we're the ones that are suffering. Well, that's what David was kind of seeing. And then it comes to his realization that the reason he's like this, the reason he's troubled and his enemies are prospering, the reason he is suffering and everyone else seems to be doing well is because of his sin. Well, what are you going to do with your sin? Well, 1 John 1, 9 promises us that if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And David here has a tremendous change in his life, and now his prayer is, Lord, let there be a change in the life of my enemies that's just as sudden as my forgiveness. You see, folks, when you and I confess our sins, then the guilt of that is taken away instantly. And the joy of forgiveness is put into our life right away. Now, are there some lingering consequences? Well, there could be. There could be. You know, some sin doesn't seem to bring much of a problem into our life. Still needs to be forgiven, still needs to be confessed and forsaken for our relationship with God to be what it ought to be. But if I were to um, premeditatively murder somebody and I get arrested and I'm tried and I'm convicted and I'm put on death row, and while I am there awaiting execution, I say, oh, dear God, forgive me because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. That would happen instantly. And I'd be justified and uh, saved, all of those kind of things, but I'm still on death row. And I would still have that uh, date with death, most likely. I mean, I suppose God could work a miracle and get a pardon or something like that. But barring that, What's going to happen? The consequences of sin are still going to remain. But let's stop and, and wait a minute, because for all of us, Christian or non-Christian, 
for you and for me as saved, born again, sanctified people, we've got a date with death, don't we? And uh, just because we are forgiven of all of our sin does not mean that uh, we're not going to die. And so uh, the consequences of sin can certainly linger. But David is now seeing the joy of confessed sin. And notice the joy of confessed sin brings some things into his life. First of all, I noticed it brings renewed boldness. Have you noticed that um, a lot of times when a believer sins, we tend to kind of be a turtle. We shrink back. Now, it seems when lost people sin, they get more bold. And once they get away with something, they push it further and further and further. But I've noticed with Christian people, when they sin, they tend to pull in. They no longer want to come to church and be around God's people. If they do, they don't sing with joy and, and um, all of the, the power that they used to. They don't enjoy the things of God. They don't read their Bible. They put their Bible away. They've got a lot of time for reading other things and doing other things, but not for the Word of God. They're not a witness for Christ anymore. Boy, it's hard to witness and tell somebody else about Jesus when you're not right, when you're not controlled by the Holy Spirit. They tend to pull in. They tend to get a little bit more timid. They tend to withdraw. They tend to pull away. In fact, we might say they've lost their first love. We might talk about the fire has cooled needs to be stirred up, right? They get apathetic, all of those kind of things. Now, you and I have experienced that, and we've certainly seen other people to do that. What happened with David when he got right with God? All of a sudden, in verse 8, he goes from being a timid, inwardly focused person to making this bold declaration, depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. In fact, he sounds a whole lot like uh, what Jesus spoke of when he said that, uh, you know, people are going to stand before him claiming to know him, and he's going to say what? Depart from me, right? Very similar words there. And so David gets boldness. You want your boldness to be renewed? Get right with God. Get right with God, and he'll make you bold once again. You remember when you were first saved? You remember when you were first learning the things of God? Do you remember how bold you were? Now, you may have had some misplaced boldness. You ever done that? I had times in the early years of my Christian life I was bold when maybe I shouldn't have been. But at least I had it, right? Then there have been times when I should have been bold and I wasn't. Why? Because of sin. So confess your sins. And David has renewed boldness. Number two, notice that he has renewed confidence. You know, when you're living in sin and walking in sin and under the discipline, the chastisement of God, you know, your confidence is going to take a hit. 
Notice how David said, for the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. In verse 9, the Lord has heard my supplication and the Lord will receive my prayer. Now, those words are words of confidence, aren't they? The Lord has heard and the Lord has heard. In verse 9, he repeats it. And the Lord will receive. Those are confident words. It's not I hope. It's not I think. It's not I wish. He has. David puts it in the past tense, doesn't he? It's already done. Already done. And here's the thing that gives you confidence in front of your enemies. Confidence to face the trials. <coughs> and the problems of life, excuse me, it is when our soul is right with God. It's when we know that as imperfect human beings, we've been forgiven by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've received the righteousness of God. But it also comes when we know that as we sin, we confess that sin and we are forgiven that sin because he's faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. And I'm so grateful that God doesn't just forgive the little sins, the normal sins, the uh, easy sins, the sins that don't seem to have big consequences. I'm thankful that he can forgive all sin. I th I'm thankful that he can forgive the worst, most grotesque, the embarrassing, the scandalous sins. God forgives all of that because Jesus died on the cross for that. A lady said to a famous preacher one time on a train, Dr. Ironside, I understand how God can forgive my past sins, and I even understand how he can forgive my present sins. But how in the world could he forgive my future sins? And Dr. Ironside said, Dear lady, do you not understand that when Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins, all of your sins were future sins. And when he said it is finished, all of them have been paid for. Well, that's what we need to remember. And as we think about the forgiveness of the Lord, he knew every sin you were ever going to forget, uh, every sin you were ever going to commit. I mean, right. And he forgave that sin when he died on the cross. He paid for it. And that means sins that show up in our actions. That means the kind of sin that ruin our reputation. But it also means the kind of sin that is simply a bad motive. Maybe we did the right thing, but we did it with the wrong motive. That's sin. Maybe it was just a thought, a flashing, fleeting thought that went through our head. Lust or greed or hatred or anger or something like that. All of that was covered by the blood of Christ, and it was all paid for by him. So what does the Bible ask us to do as believers when they come up? Just agree with God about it. Just agree with God. Confidence will come back. Number three, David has a renewed power. 
When David speaks here, he goes in verse 10, let all my enemies be ashamed and greatly troubled. David is making a pronouncement, isn't he? He's not just merely asking, oh Lord, would you trouble my enemies? It's as if he's saying it right to them. Let my enemies, let my enemies be troubled and let them be ashamed. And David makes this bold and powerful pronouncement here. You want to have power in front of the enemy? You want to be able to speak truth and speak it with power? You want to be able to speak the word of God with power and to witness with power? You want to be able to teach with power? You want to be able to do everything you do in the power of the Holy Spirit? You know, the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of bondage to fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. Jesus told his disciples, and it's true for us too, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Think about all of the verses that talk about the power that we have as Christians, power before the enemy, power before other people. This is something that we need. But you know, sin will weaken you. And David talked earlier in this psalm, and he talks about it in Psalm 32, about how the destructive nature of sin will weaken the believer in every area of their life. When you're harboring sin, it'll have an effect upon you physically, and it'll also have an effect upon you mentally and emotionally. You're going to feel tired. Your thinking is going to be messed up. And um, you're going to make bad decisions. One bad decision is going to lead to another one. Think about David. It was a bad decision for him to lust after Bathsheba. It was a worse decision for him to send soldiers to go get her. It was an even worse decision when uh, he had sexual relations with her. And it became even worse when to cover his sin, he had her husband Uriah murdered. I mean, it always happens like that. That's why Paul said sin is like leaven or yeast. A little leaven, he said, leavens the whole lump. In other words, it spreads. And if it's a picture of corruption, like yeast will spread through bread dough, so sin spreads through the body of Christ and through us. And so David has this renewed power now. And he's making some bold statements that he probably hadn't been able to make in a while. And he's able to do it without it being hypocritical. He's able to do it without it being fake. He's able to do it with it being real. And he's able to do it with it being effective. And that's what you and I really want, the power of God upon us, so that what we do is effective or fruitful, we might say. And that leads us to think, number four, about his renewed faith. Let them turn back and be ashamed suddenly. David is saying, let them, let them be the ones that back down. You know what that tells me? Just an implication here. 
that David had been the one who had been ashamed. David had been the one who was no longer standing up. David had been the one who was kind of cowering in front of them. Now that he's right with God, he sees everything differently. Someone said that back in the days when Joshua sent the uh, spies to spy out, the, or Moses, pardon me, sent out the spies into the land when they sent those uh, 12 spies, that 10 of them came back and gave a bad report. We can't handle the walls. They're too big. We couldn't possibly conquer this city. When they looked and they said, oh, the people are huge. They're like giants. And you remember they said, we're as grasshoppers in their sight. They'll squish us like a bug. But two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, they said, let's go for it. God has promised to give us this land. What was the difference? What was the difference? Well, the majority, they compared the Canaanites to themselves. Joshua and Caleb compared the Canaanites to God. Makes all the difference in the world. Whenever you have problems, whenever you have trials, even if they're brought about by your own sin, when you compare yourself to your enemies, you're always going to, well, be ashamed. You're going to shrink back. You're going to see every reason in the world not to stand up. But when you compare them to God, then you realize you've got every resource you need, and you realize that the battle is not yours, it is the Lord's, and you can stand firm. When uh, Goliath started taunting the soldiers of Israel, the soldier said he's too big to fight. When David looked at him and compared Goliath to God, David said he's too big to miss. And so he went after Goliath with boldness and faith. And this is what David is saying here. Let them turn back and be ashamed suddenly because David now has a right standing with God. He's no longer intimidated. He is no longer afraid. He is no longer cowering back. He's no longer ashamed because his boldness and confidence and power and faith is back. Now, does this mean that God leaves us when we sin? Because sometimes it looks like it, and, oh, Lord, hear me, and those kind of things. But I want you to think of it uh, like this. We uh, recently built a place for Mama Lou to live that's attached to our house, and they had to do electrical work. And they went to our electrical panel, the electrical box, and they uh, shut off some breakers. And they didn't turn them back on. And so in our house, there were some things that weren't working. Now, did that mean that OG&E had disconnected our power? Did it mean that we didn't have any electricity in our house? No, it didn't mean that at all. Just meant I had to go out and look, open it up, and sure enough, click, 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 and it's back on. Sin is a tripped circuit breaker in your life. 
doesn't mean that God is gone. It doesn't mean that the power is not there. But what it means is it's interrupted. Sin interrupts it. Sin trips it so that the power can't come through. And all David needed to do is the same thing that you and I need to do. Confess that sin. Push the breaker back on, right? Search me, O God, David wrote in another psalm, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's Psalm 139, 23, and 24. What a great thing to end on and to think about. David goes from the first part of Psalm 6 to that last part of Psalm 6. And what made the difference? It's the joy of confessed sin before God. Do what the Bible says. Stay right with God. Let there be nothing between your uh, soul and God. May your life be clean and pure and honorable and blessable by the Lord. And may the power of God flow freely because sin has been confessed because God is eager to forgive that sin. Thank you for your time, and be sure and download the newsletter from uh, the church website. Keep up with one another. Keep up with activities. Continue to give. Continue to pray. Continue to uh, be a witness for Christ, and uh, may the Lord bless you during this week, and we'll look forward to seeing you on Sunday morning for Sunday school and for church. Thank you again, and God bless you.